in solid rock. I tell you what, y'all ready for church? Well, let's get on our feet and give God the glory of Jesus Christ as thanksgiving for what he's done in this place today. I want you to give God the glory of Jesus the praise with the faithfulness of Mike Franklin, the praise band, the leaders of this church. Give God the glory today that we live in the country where we can stand up today and say, God Almighty is God Almighty. I come to you this morning and I'm going to share with you a message that God revealed to me early, early in my walk with God. Um, Damascus Road. It's a miracle. I had one of my guys come to me last week. and He said, if you can't see God on this hill, you ain't looking for God. It... Uh, it's something that God chose me. And the scripture I'm going to share with you this morning is a scripture that God used with me early in my walk. If you would, please open your Bibles up to Exodus chapter 14. For my scripture reading this morning... It's the 14th verse, 15th verse. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. Let's pray. I most graciously have a Father who come to the throne this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving the praise and the glory of God for this time and this place and this ground that you've set aside here for your people together as a body of Christ's church to lift up the name Jesus above all names. Lord, I pray this morning that you put angels on the boundary rocks that is propped this morning to keep the evil one out of here. I pray, Almighty God, that you cleanse me as a vessel both inside and out that will be used by you today. I pray, Almighty God, that the Holy Spirit precedes me in everything I do this morning that this people will break the bread of the Word of God and grow wisdom and courage and strength. Lord, I pray a revival upon this land this morning, Almighty God. I pray that the churches gathered together, Almighty God, as the pastors gathered with presidents this week and laid hands on him and prayed for him. I seek your face this morning, Almighty God. I pray, God, that this country sees the revival and can relate to the scriptures. I'm going to scare the chair of this church this morning. Lord, I lift up the attic and alcoholic in the world this morning, Lord, and I pray, God, that someone will let him know that there is hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. I pray, Almighty God, if it be your will, that you lead me to the hills of Newton County, and he can join us on the road to Damascus. Lord, I, this morning I pray for the church. I pray for Mike. I pray for the leaders of this church. I give you the praise and thanksgiving, God, for Joe and and Josh and the praise band, all the praise band. And I, and I remember, and I know where it began, Lord, and I, and I hope my brother was in heaven this morning. I pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I start, I think we need to come up to speed. There's two godly men here that we need to describe, and one of them is Joseph. 
Y'all know Joseph, son of Jacob, the favorite one of Jacob, the colored coat, his brother's envy and resentment. Um, they were going to kill him and put him in a pit. But God intervened in that. And some traders on their way to Egypt came by and Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. Well, so happened that the man that bought Joseph as a slave was one of Pharaoh's number two men. And I don't have time to go through the whole story this morning, but eventually Joseph managed the business of the Pharaoh, both his house and the country, and the country prospered. Egypt prospered under Joseph's stewardship. Now, man, when he talked about this morning, and this is the part God used in my life, was Moses. We know the story of Moses. He was born in Egypt under the oppression of the Pharaoh. At this time, up until the time of Joseph's death and, and for years after, the Israelites had favor in Egypt. But the dynasty of, the, of, of Egypt, the pharaohs, become oppressive against the people and put them in slavery. The pharaoh, the scripture says, that pharaoh looked around one day and the Israelites, as he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, multiplied and were like the sands on the ocean. This was God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Pharaoh looked around one day. Hear me now. Pharaoh looked around one day and saw the huge multitude of Israelites in his country, and he says, they're getting to be too many. Hear me, church. They're getting to be too many. There is a large population. They have multiplied. And they became fearful that if Egypt ever went to war, that God's people would join their enemy and leave the country. So he, he issued a mandate that the firstborn male of the Hebrew nation would be slaughtered. So when Moses was born, his mother put him in a reed of baskets. We know the story. Flowed down the river. Was seen by Pharaoh's daughter. Was rescued by her. They saw someone to nurse the child. And it was Moses' mother. But Moses was raised under the Egyptian royalty. One day, Moses saw one of his people being abused by an Egyptian, and he killed the Egyptian and fled the country. Man on the run. Years later, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law. God appeared to him in a cloud of fire in the bush. And told Moses, 
want you to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I, like Moses, had all the excuses in the world. Uh, God, uh, I stutter. I'm not elegant with speech. And uh, I think you just need to find somebody else. But God said, okay. His brother Aaron, he's pretty eloquent. I'll send him with you. So Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and told him he needed to return back to Egypt. That God had called him to do so. And so, the, and so this morning's story begins here. So Moses met with Aaron, and they returned to Egypt. Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh, and I really like this part. And God told Moses what to do in order to convince Pharaoh that God was God. So he gave him the staff, and Aaron and Moses went before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh kind of ignored them. And Aaron threw the staff on the ground, it turned into a serpent. And when he picked it back up, it turned back into a staff. Well, the sources of positions that Pharaoh had had a trick too. They throw their staff on the ground, it turned into a snake. But God's snake eat their snake. Amen? Don't fool with God. So here we are. We look at, we, now Moses going to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart, God hardened Pharaoh's heart in order to get his glory. Sometimes as Christians, God will is not what we want nor what we understand. Sometimes God, as he did in this story here, sent Joseph to Egypt because God knew that there was a famine coming and he sent Joseph to Egypt so that when the famine hit, that God's people would be welcome into Egypt. So God, God's in, in the long-term plan business, and, and God saved his people by letting Joseph go through the tragedy that his brothers put upon him in order to place him in Egypt so that when the famine hit, God's people have a place to go. Understand me that, that God's will is not always up to our understanding. God's will is not always up to our approval. God's will don't always line up with our will. So we look at the scripture this morning, and, 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 Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's heart's hardened, and then we have the ten plagues, and I don't want to go through the gnats and the flies and the frogs. I want to talk about the first death of the firstborn Egyptian. So God, the last plague that Jesus, uh, that God put on, on on Egypt, was the death of the firstborn Egyptian. This is where the Passover began. 
Hear me, church. This is where the Passover begins. God told Moses to tell the people of, of the Israelites that at midnight, God was going to come through and take the firstborn of the Egyptian and kill them. And he told Moses to tell the people to have a blood sacrifice and, 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 and to have a blood sacrifice and, and mark the blood on their doorways on the doorpost and the little. Eh. Eh. Any carpenters in here? When Jesus Christ died on that cross, we as Christians, we of the body of Christ's church, have blood on our doorways. And when Jesus comes against his church, it is us with the blood of Christ hanging on our homes and in our hearts and in our children. He's going to come get us. And just as he spared the Israelites of the death of their firstborn, he's going to spare the church and he's going to take us home. Somebody in this place say amen. amen. So Moses does all this. Finally with the death of the firstborn, Scripture says that there was a wailing in Egypt like had never been heard nor heard before. Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron in the night. Somewhere between midnight and sunup, I guess. And he said, you get your people. You get your livestock. We, our, the Egyptians are going to give you our gold and our jewelry and our remnants of wealth. And y'all pack your stuff. Come over and say amen. Y'all know what that means? Amen. Scripture says... Over in chapter 12, that the Egyptians did give them their wealth. Scripture says that there was about 600,000 men that marched out of Egypt that day. It's not including their wives, their children, their family. Scripture says that there was a mixed population that went with them. I've studied this message several times, and the best I can figure, there was about three and a half or four million people marked out, walked out of Egypt that day. Scripture says that they walked out in a, mil in a military form like a parade. In another place, the Scripture says, they walked out with a high hand. One theologian describes that as they walked out with their fist in the air. Uh huh. They walked out with their livestock. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. After all the plagues, after the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh and his staff got together and said, 
What have we done? We have let the Israelites leave us and not serve us anymore. So he pursued them. Now God in his wisdom did not lead lead the Israelites out of Egypt in a direct line to the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land of milk and honey. He took them through the wilderness of the Red Sea. And on about the second day, the best I can figure, the second, third day, God told Moses, take them to the Red Sea. There will be an Egyptian outpost on one side and a marsh, or as most people would rather say, a swamp on the other. And Pharaoh will say that the people in the land are entangled. They are lost. As Christians, you need to hear this. All who wonder are not lost. Because as God takes us out of our comfort zone and God takes us of what we know is familiar, as he takes us out of that and we, and, and we surrender our self-will, God will reveal his will for us. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. But as Christians, I think sometimes we get caught up in quick pro quos. We get caught up in something that will hit the reward track of this miraculous organ we call the brain. And we become compulsive and impulsive. And we want to make something happen in order to make us feel better about ourselves. Again, I remind you that sometimes, as he told Moses here, sometimes, We just got to be still and know he is God. Sometimes we just got to wait on him. In my walk with God, give God the glory. I got to think about this this morning. Been in the ministry now for over 20 years. <laughs> Listen to me, young people. You don't have to go where I went. In the early days, I answered the call to the ministry. And like a lot of Christians, I think, I may have got a little ahead of myself. Went to seminary. 
And God, through that process, helped me realize you better thank God for the one we got. That God didn't call me to pastor no church. It was during that process that God revealed to me my ministry to suffering addict and alcoholic. I love them. I understand them. Been where they're at. I understand the trials and the tribulations, and I understand the battle between self-will and God's will. I understand the battle of, 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 of not knowing who you are if you're not who you were. We, we, we don't understand. We, 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 as the people here, the Israelites at the Red Sea, we, 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 if, if we're not drug addicts, alcoholics, criminals, well, who are we going to be? And, and we don't surrender our will to God's will. We, we do not have faith in things unseen. And we act out accordingly on our emotions and our compulsions. And we, like the Israelites, we wander around in the wilderness. As Scripture describes here, they walked out. In, in a military parade, they walked out with a high hand. How many times have we seen Christians come accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and 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 there for a period of time, everything's okay. But let God challenge them. Let God bring to them what the teachings of Jesus Christ requires us to do is be as Christians. The things like tithing, giving, ministering, praying, being faithful, lifting God up above all things in our life. Just like the, these people are Israelites at the Red Sea. Did you bring us out here to die because there's no graves in Egypt? God takes us out of our comfort zone. God takes us as he did Paul, Saul on the road to Damascus. He took him away from his comfort zone. He took him away from what was familiar. And immediately when Jesus appeared to Saul, he said, yes, Lord. So as, as, we, as we look at the scripture today, and, and, and as, he, as, as he's Moses, he tells Moses, and God, I've been there, done this. God reveals to us what his will is. He gives us a vision in which he wants us to do it. He gives us a plan, sometimes minute by minute. If we're lucky, it's day to day. But he gives us a vision. He gives, he reveals to us what his will is. But the first time we run up into something we don't understand or something, the first time we run up into something that don't line up with our will, what do we do? We fall back on our face and pray. Well, here's God's answer to people like that. God says, get up, Moses, while you cry to me. I've explained to you what my will is. I've explained to you what my plan is. I have given you this vision. I have given you everything that you've asked for. I've given you my guidance, my wisdom. Get up. Do something. I think as Christians today, we spend uh, they might spend time in our prayer closet with them tear running, no slot, slot running prayers, and get up 
and go turn the TV on. And we feel like we've done what God has us do. I've heard, I've heard this, I've heard this, and I've heard this. Don't get me wrong. My God's a sovereign God. My God's the most high God. My God today is the same God of the Israelites in the land of Egypt. My God is God. But I hear this. God's going to take care of you. How many times have you heard this, Mike? Yeah. That's the reason why he sent you. There's two things that ain't ever happened to me in my walk. Jesus ain't never come down here and took me to a meeting. And I've never been walking down the sidewalk, picked up a check, made out to the master's road, signed by Jesus Christ. God's people are like the Israelites at the Red Sea when they are challenged, when, they don't, when God brings them to the point that he's going to show his will, he's going to show his grace, he's going to get his glory. What if Moses had to took that staff and hit the Red Sea? I'm asking you, church, what happens when God's people rebel against God's word, God's will, and God's plan? This message took me to the woodshed. Almost like it did 20 years ago. We get caught up in selfishness, self-serving, self-will, pleasing others, fitting in. And God's will is not being done by God's church. Somebody say amen. amen. It's the word. <laughs> It's the word. Am I preaching anything, Mike, that's not scriptural? I'm God's man. I ain't running for office. You hear me? I love you enough to bring God's word to you and challenge you because this country is in dire need of the body of Christ's church and the leadership thereof and the, and, and, and the intervention of a most high God in our country. Amen. Where is the church? God's blessed the master's right. If you, if, 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 if you look at our P&L for the last 13 years and, and you look how God has multiplied us and provided for us and all these great things and, I, and and I talked to a man who's in dire, he's, he's bad health, helped me get this thing started. And I said, you know, I wish I could take credit for this, but I just ain't that, I just ain't that smart. Some of the best decisions I made at Damascus Road, and I was under pressure, I was being judged, I was being ridiculed, I was being criticized. I waited on God. 
I just never felt comfortable in doing what other people wanted me to do because I didn't feel like that's what God had for us. Some of the best decisions I've made in Master Road Recovery is I made a decision to wait on God. So we look at the scripture this morning. They're at the Red Sea. We got a swamp on one side, an Egyptian outpost on the other side, and Pharaoh coming. It says when the Egyptians, when the Israelites marched out of Egypt, that Pharaoh prepared his chariots, his finest chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt, and his army to pursue them. So the Egyptians look back and they see the and they see Pharaoh coming. I mean, the Israelites look back and they see Pharaoh coming, and they were very afraid. And what did they do? They went running to Moses. I understand this part. Went running to Moses. Did we not tell you in Egypt to leave us alone? How many people do we have in bondage today? When you go to speak to them, the response is, I'm fine, leave me alone. They went to run to Moses and they cried out, weren't there enough graves in Egypt that we had to bring, had to bring us out here to die? And Moses said, hear me now. Moses said, the Lord shall fight for you. Fear ye not, stand still and see this salvation of the Lord which he will show you today for the Egyptians whom you have seen today you shall see them no more. When Christians are faithful and when Christians seek the word of God and when Christians humble themselves before God and when Christians give up their self-will, selfish narcissistic ways that those tribulations and trials that we, that we deal with over time, they go away. Mike does a real good job, and he and I have talked about this now for years. The stronghold in a man, that sin nature, that flesh, I should say, you have to deal with that. Just, as these, just like these Israelites are fixed to deal with their situation. Go forward. So, Moses hits the Red Sea. The sea splits in the morning. A strong east wind opened the sea. The Israelites crossed the sea. And God told Moses one time, he said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and he will come after you. And God said, because I am going to get my glory. If God's people will seek God's face in these times, God will show up and God will be God and there'll be no question of what happens is of God and God will get his glory just as scripture says he will. But where's the church? So the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. The Bible says the wall stood on the right and the left as a wall. God intervened in that thing, and the Egyptians pursued them. And then when it was in the Red Sea, 
He told Moses, Get your staff again. And the water overtook them. Now, I know Mike's running into this. Man, secular, agnostic, views and attitudes, there was a piece I read one time that said, the water there was only four or five feet deep, and the east wind blew so hard that it blew it dry. There was no Red Sea experience. And I read that, and I went, hmm. My God, it is an awesome, mighty God. He, drown, he drowned all Pharaoh's army in five feet of water. That's pretty cool. Do not believe what you read on the internet. Be careful of what you use as a study tool in studying the Bible on what's online. Because you've got to rightly divide the Word of God. You've got to have the Holy Spirit residing in you so that you can see the false news. This morning... As the Israelites are on their journey and they see the dead Egyptians on the seashore, they were still rebellious. One translation I use called them a stiff-necked people. Several times you read in, in Numbers and Exodus where they complain to Moses, they ain't got this, they ain't got that. Talked one time about the Mr. Meat Pots, the barbecue, the Egyptians. Over in Numbers they talk about they missed the fish. I think as Christians today we get in trouble when we long for the ways of our past. It's hard to change. My guys tell you that. Change ain't easy. Change equals pain. Pain equals change. It all boils down to is it healthy change or is it unhealthy change? But as God's seen in the times of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promises he made them, the deeds of Joseph, God's people survived and multiplied, and eventually they reached the promised land. You go back and look at 1947, 1948, when Israel became a country, that was God's promise. So this morning I ask you, I challenge you, What's your Red Sea? What's your Red Sea? Does sin have some stronghold in your life? Is there something that you haven't brought to this altar and turned over to God and sought God's face and God's strength and wisdom?
Two things about sin. Three things, really. We are forgiven. It has consequences, and it will separate you from God. I think too many people get up in this, I'm already forgiven. You know, I actually had a guy say one time, I'm not going to say his name, I'd love to. I heard a guy one time say, we can sin all we want to. I shattered in my office that time. He said, I just shaved. Sin will separate you from God. Undealt with sin will cause unmore de- undealt with sin. And you get a father away from God. And trust me, people, we can get so far away from God that we become of the world. Because we're still seeking that one thing that can make us happy. Happiness comes from the inside of the relationship with Christ. Nothing on the outside. New trucks, new houses, whatever will fill that gap that God intended us to have in a relationship with the Most High God. I challenge you this morning, what's your Red Sea? One of the descriptions meant a lot to me one time when I was telling God, give back. Man, I worked down in Penfield for 19 months for nothing. I've been running the master stroke for two months, and I can't get paid. And the book of Malachi is telling me I got a tie. Well, Malachi also says, if you don't give back to what God's God's, what you're doing will be cursed. Amen? So what's that? I got there. And one night, about one o'clock in the morning, I give up. As God is my witness, the master's road, nor Joan or I, Joan and I, have dealt with them situations again. You may not always have what you want, but you'll always have what you need. Is it the fact that you're not witnessing to others? Is it, is it not? Could it be the fact that you, God has put something revealed to you that something He wants to do in the kingdom of God to increase the kingdom of God? And you making excuses not to? What's your red seat this morning? As Joe comes. <laughs>